Take this moment for yourself to be present. Listen to guided meditations and wellness tips designed to help you stay centered and achieve your goals. We'll guide you through the practice of mindfulness, self-care, gratitude, and love, all created to empower you to live your best life. For more, visit getgrounded.life. Hello and welcome. I'm Nirelle and this is Get Grounded. Today we have a very special guest. Um, Her name is Heather Van Tassel. She is a dear friend, uh, a data scientist, as well as a health coach um, specializing with people uh, who have had concussions or with concussions. And uh, she's also a fellow nature lover and currently hiking in the Rockies. So this was recorded before she embarked on that adventure. And we talk about all sorts of interesting uh, things within the realm of um, concussions, uh, silent meditation retreats, data science, and more. So I hope that you enjoy. Hello and welcome. I am here with Heather Van Tassel. Uh, And I'm Nirelle. This is Get Grounded. Today we have an exciting episode because Heather and I have been meaning uh, for some time to um, catch up. She got back um, now, I I was going to say recently, but maybe not that recently, from a uh, 10-day, it was a silent retreat, right, Heather? Yeah, the Pasana Meditation Retreat. Amazing. So, um, actually, could you uh, could you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Because the reason why we even initially connected pretty recently was pretty different from, um, <laughs> you know, or I mean, it didn't really, it wasn't like directly related to mindfulness and meditation and silent retreats. Um, we connected. Well, initially, we met in school, right? At you know, in first year, yeah, <laughs> yes, in university. That was those were the days. Um, and then reconnected again also, you know, about school. So um, you you also completed the Master's of Data Science program at UBC. Um, yes. Yes. So I was interested in this program and reached out uh, to ask you some questions. So do you, um, could you share a little bit about kind of what you're doing now and, uh, you know, set us up a little bit with some context before we dive into that retreat, which I'm really also excited to to hear from you about. Sure, yeah, thanks um, for, I'm excited. I've been <laughs> wanting to do this for a while now too. Um, yeah, so I think my story begins at UBC, but um, in my final year uh, studying biochemistry and neuroscience, I ironically got a concussion. And thankfully I had enough Uh, support and research skills to kind of figure out what would work for me. Um, So navigating the public health system was a little tricky. Um, I think especially with concussions, there's a lot of research that hasn't been done yet. We just don't know enough about the brain to fully know what is wrong with it in the first place um, because everyone's so different so what your baseline is is different from another's etc so that's why I learned uh, a little too late that baseline testing is really important Um, so yeah that was a big four-month recovery for me because uh, I had to take time off of school and it was kind of a big 
decision or like forking point in my life where I I needed to figure out what was the next step after university. Um, So I was actually about to apply to a bunch of grad schools to do a PhD in neuroscience. And I missed all the applications because of this concussion. Um, So I like to believe that everything happens for a reason. And I ended up applying to the data science program at UBC um, kind of out of luck but also I had always kind of had this interest in big data and using statistics because even if I did go become a neuroscientist um, and keep studying in academia I need to have those statistical analysis skills in order to actually make sure that my work is meaningful and has significance, right? Um, So I had not had any really program experience besides like CompSci 110, which is introduction to programming. And luckily I seem to have the two other prerequisites, which were multivariable calculus and biostatistics. So it kind of just worked out that I had the right prereqs. Um, I actually had to finish my last semester. Anywho, um, so I recovered from my concussion, went right back into school, had the summer, like two months off to kind of recover a bit more. Um, And then in September, like, so about a year exactly from when I first had my concussion to the the start of the program was... (laughs) a big growth period. And in that period, I think this is the whole point of my story here, since we're on a meditation podcast, is uh, I discovered meditation because I read in my research that meditation has great mental benefits, not just for healthy people, but especially for those struggling with concussions, uh, etc. So um, it's actually prescribed now by the National Institute of Clinical Excellence as a treatment for depression. Uh, which I found Amazing. very striking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, like there's a ton of research now that shows all of the like proven benefits, um, but we can get into that later. Um, so I tried it and it was actually like one of the only things that really seemed to move the needle for me on just letting go of all of the anxiety surrounding my injury, because I don't know if you've had a any sort of TBI or anyone listening, but it's so hard to describe until you've actually gone through it. And I think that's one big thing I really want to share is like, it's really scary. Like you lose a piece of your identity and especially for me, someone who identifies as uh, having a lot of cognitive capabilities, it was like not knowing who I was anymore because I was always thinking like, what if my ability to do simple math, like I couldn't even do eight times nine. (laughs) Like I knew I could, I just like the dots were not connecting. The wires were just not clear. Um, So it was terrifying to be like, okay, what if I never get my brain back? Um, And that was kind of the cause, I guess, or yeah, the galvanizing force of me reevaluating what I wanted to do with my life. And yeah, I'm actually very thankful for that time because it, gave me a lot of space for reflection and I did drive myself a little crazy just with all of the options I was going through repeatedly almost but I think a lot of clarity came out of it and 
I can thank meditation for like letting me be okay with the simple fact that I can exist without always having to be thinking. Right. Especially when that's a core part of what you consider to be your identity, right? Or at least had been up until that point. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> so a beautiful breakthrough for me, I guess. Yeah. That is beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, it sounds so basic, um, you know, but then when you think about it, it's, it's just, uh, it's a fact of life, you know, we just are as we are and learning Mm. to just accept that and know that that's okay. And that we don't have to be, especially as ambitious people, you know, we don't have to be uh, anything more or do anything more than just be as we are. Um, is is just a really powerful thing to to come to terms with, right? And just say, even this is okay. Like it doesn't, you know, where I am right now is okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a lot of self-love too. It was like, okay, I'm just going to entertain myself because the doctor said I can't listen to podcasts. I can't watch movies. I have to can't listen to entertain myself. <laughs> wow. Actually, yeah. I mean... To some extent, but I mean, most of it was actually just visual. Yeah. So TV and um, any sort of screen time. So whether that's like social media or I don't know what anyone else does these days besides, you know, just kidding. But <laughs> no, right. I, 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 um, was, I was joking about the no podcasting, but like, but I mean, it sounds actually like a lot of people could probably use this is just taking a break <laughs> from screen time and from social media. Yeah. Yeah, everyone must go through a fake <laughs> concussion recovery <laughs> protocol. <laughs> right. So uh, so then, yeah, tell me more about the concussion um, recovery protocol then. So no screen time okay. for a certain period of time. Um, like you said, uh, was this for a few weeks or for like a few months? Um, so, yeah, this is actually a big lesson I learned was the current research is now saying that you shouldn't rest for more than two days uh, and before you start getting back into your daily activities, whatever that looks like. Um, However, when I went to my GP at a walk-in clinic, they just said, go home, don't look at anything for a week and then see how you feel. Mm -hmm. So I took that advice and um, I was really good about it. I was definitely in a dark room and not doing much else for that week, like besides talking on the phone and like cleaning a bit, but you know, um, I took it seriously. And then I decided, you know what, I'm better, all good to go. And then I got back into my regular routine, which in retrospect was way too quick of a change. And I got worse. Like my symptoms increased. I was feeling really sensitive to light and sound. Uh, It got so bad that I couldn't go outside at night without sunglasses on because the streetlights were too bright. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I decided to go back to resting because I was sitting at work, like staring at my computer screen, and it just gave me this really fuzzy headache feeling. It was kind of like a migraine even though I've never really had a migraine, it's as close as what I can imagine to be a migraine. Um, It's like a, like pounding waves just overcome you and you just can't focus and then starts increasing your anxiety. And 
I also had whiplash because, okay, you might be wondering, how did I give myself this concussion? Uh, <laughs> I did a double front flip off a trampoline at the Richmond Air Park, which I thought was going to be a great idea because you land on a really soft, cushy air mattress. And I did not account for the fact that I could knee myself in the head. Uh, (laughs) So, yeah, I did give myself the concussion, but I also had a little bit of whiplash uh, injury from landing on my upper neck Mm. or sorry. Yeah, shoulders and upper neck. So I think another big learning point here is that uh, your vagus nerve controls a lot of your emotions and it's connected um, to the nerves of your upper uh, cervical, like C1, C2. And so those two nerves converge in your brain. And so your brain can't distinguish between neck pain and head pain. So sometimes when you just are feeling stressed, you have tight shoulders, that can trigger headaches. Um, so when I heard that, or like realized that for through my research, I decided to really focus on relieving all of that neck tension I had, because mm. as an athlete, I was kind of brushing it off as like, oh, yeah, just sore muscles, they'll get better. I'm used to this. It's fine. But as soon as I really like, got more physio, I had deep needling, um, and kind of more relief of that stress that was being held there, my headache started dissipating a bit. Um, so yeah, that that's a fun fact for you. Yeah. Um, and what were some of the practices that you were doing? Uh, so it was it was physio related uh, activities that you were doing to relieve some of that tension in your neck. Yeah. So. I'm mostly massage was the most helpful, but mm. um, the physio also was necessary. And eventually I also did um, some strength training with like re-strengthening those neck muscles because they were pretty weak after like lying in bed for a few weeks. <laughs> mm. um, and I think that's one of the contributors to why females are more susceptible to concussions in the first place is that uh, they tend to have weaker neck muscles. Because and, we don't do strength training activities maybe as as often yeah. as men. Wow, that's really interesting. It just yeah, it, yeah it's just so uh, holistic, right? That that we strengthen the body in these different ways, and then that protects us from um, an injury sort of taking over or or having a greater impact than it might otherwise have, right? Had we had those be strong, stronger in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, also slight biological inherent differences, but yeah, we also sure. tend to. Not <laughs> I try to <laughs> do just, neck strengthening. Sometimes I just forget that mm. biologically we're different than men because yeah. I'm just like women can do everything, and we're you know like <laughs> like almost like we're starting on the same you know, like on the same page at the same level, if you will, but you're right. I mean, obviously we're just inherently different too. Um, yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, and that doesn't have to uh, imply anything about our capabilities, <laughs> but no, um, but yes. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. So basically men just kind of uh, maybe are, you know, have a little bit more, uh, a little stronger neck muscles to begin with is if that's mm-hmm. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I learned a lot and I actually made a presentation on Google Slides. If anyone wants it, I can share it with you. 
um, and a amazing. YouTube talk of of the presentation. Sure. Wow. Yeah. And this is a presentation on your experiences. Yeah. So about a month after I felt fully recovered, so like uh, two Februarys ago, I guess, um, I gave a presentation at UBC for anyone who wanted to learn about my journey and how they can support others going through the same thing. You go, girl. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Way to learn from, I mean, way to sort of come out of that experience and then pretty quickly turn around to go use that, uh, you know, like take, take your experiences and, um, and use them to help, you know, share them to help others essentially. Yeah. I mean, if I had to suffer, hopefully other people won't have to suffer so much. Uh, Cause it is quite, yeah, quite a, widespread phenomenon <laughs> like and I don't think it's very well understood to the point where people just brush it off when then maybe they shouldn't um but I mean with all this new uh NFL media stuff going on um there's a great movie called Concussion um but it's about how the NFL NFL has been hiding all of this data and symptoms about their players basically losing their minds and um, having other diseases result like schizophrenia and depression. There's all these scary stats that I could share about what um, concussion gives you more susceptibility to, but I'd rather rather just ignore that for now. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I mean, you're still coming out of it pretty recently in the last couple of years. Um yeah, I'd like to yeah. think for the for the better, for the stronger. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and it sounds like so you've and it sounds like coming out of that experience you were, you know, you were an athlete already, so it wasn't new to you that idea of sort of practice or training to recover, right? Um mm-hmm. but here you were doing other things too, like you said massage, um which is so powerful and healing in of itself too in different ways. Um mm-hmm. I imagine also that for the anxiety maybe that was helpful. I find that kind mm-hmm. of being touched is just, you know, when it's in that um, healthy, safe space, it's can be incredibly uh, relieving of those anxieties and tensions for myself, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and then, you know, as far as also the work that you've been doing with meditation and that practice. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'd love to understand kind of more about how you fit that in alongside everything else that you were doing to recover right well um I guess I I kind of just started meditation in my room with an app that I had been recommended called insight timer mm-hmm. um definitely love that app it's just um I use the background sound of an ohm so it's like this deep ohm that like I keeps reverberating um and that's really powerful for me and I think I actually found more stability in my practice through going to the UBC meditation club meetings so it's a group sitting and it was really small and intimate like five ten people and it was weekly which you know it's a good way to build a habit um and I guess with all of my studies going on, um, 
it was a good way to kind of relax and refocus because especially during my master's program, which was insanely intense, like 10 months, they squeeze all of this data science material in to create a great learning experience. But it was just for for me, very overwhelming. Um, And so the meditation was just kind of what kept me alive and um, able to actually focus on my on my work. But um, if you want if you want to go back to the concussion stuff, I guess it became just like a morning ritual. Um, and also whenever I felt stressed, actually, um, one day I was hanging out with my friend and we were just baking cookies and we had a coloring book. And one of the biggest tips I can give people going through concussions is just do things that make you happy and calm you down. So that was like, a huge recovery, uh, I guess, increase in recovery day for me because not only was I with a good friend, I was doing activities that I enjoyed. So cooking, coloring, we went for a walk and then we meditated together. And I think there's something powerful about meditating with one or more people is that you kind of can feel their energy. And I don't, I don't know if this sounds a little crazy but <laughs> you it's can a, kind of it's a safe take space to, yeah <laughs> to share that that's, no that's yeah very cool yeah mm-hmm. you can kind of like take their motivation almost and their somehow their energy maybe it's through like their actual brain frequencies or through some other bodily emission I'm not I'm not going to dive too deep here but you can really like sink into that space and feel more focused and um yeah I actually okay now I'm thinking of another story if (laughs) if you want to jump track yeah absolutely um yeah okay um so I'm just remembering now I had a really like one of the most powerful experiences that I've ever had through meditation was um in Israel, I was on my birthright trips uh, mm. two summers ago, and um, okay, so the first experience was kind of just I closed my eyes and I kind of opened them, and I after ten minutes of just sitting by myself in the in the forest, um, northern Israel, uh, we we were kind of being called back to the group, and I remember just like opening my eyes and not knowing where my body began and like the universe outside of me began it was like (laughs) it was a little overwhelming and it was just so much emotion I didn't know how to label I just started crying and was like wow this is beautiful (laughs) like I don't know what this is but I feel like there's something greater than me and yeah that was really powerful And then about a few days later, we decided to go out into the Bedouin desert um, after like a full day of camel riding. And our um, our group activity was to go out and just feel what the desert does to you. So a lot of people may have just said, "Okay, I'm just going to go sit and enjoy the desert or I don't know, like experience what I feel. But. For me, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this 
time as a meditation practice. And so I went out, I'm sitting in the desert in the middle of the night, I guess it was closer to midnight, but um, so we're sitting out there and it's completely dark, but there's beautiful stars in the sky. Mm. And I was thinking, okay, I'm in this very historical ancestral place I may as well find my spirit guide, right? Um, right, naturally. Because I had heard that those are a thing. Yeah, totally. Um, and at this point, I'm like, okay, I don't know if I really believe in spirit guides, but if they do exist, I'm pretty sure they would be here. <laughs> right. So, yeah. In the middle yeah. of the desert on a starry night in Israel. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, so I'm just kind of talking to myself like all right spirit guides I'm here like I'm listening and I started hearing these whispers of like choose me I'm here like you can trust me and I was like whoa (laughs) whoa (laughs) um but then I felt like a little anxious because I didn't know who these spirits potentially were like I couldn't talk to them or see them or anything so I was like I don't know I can't really choose one of you I I don't know what to say or communicate and then I felt this kind of deep surge of energy like from my core like started to like grow and I felt I don't know I visualized this maybe it was self-induced maybe it was real I don't know um everything's real in your mind so it's fine <laughs> yes. this is what I try to tell people too every our experiences are real right they're valid yeah you know yeah even if they're manifested by our brains then okay but other you know it's it's still it's a still real. real experience totally so yeah continue please Okay, so I just felt this big light like coming from my stomach and it started growing and enveloping me. And I just felt this voice in my head say, I'm your spirit guide. You can trust me. And it was like myself saying, like, listen to yourself. Wow. I was like so overcome with this like feeling of self-love because I realized like I didn't need all of this external information that as a neuroscientist and data scientist and just generally very curious person, I've always been really interested in reading as many articles as I possibly can to get the best information. And then having that moment of like deep settling of just being okay with listening to myself was one of the best moments that I've ever really experienced through meditation and in my life in general so yeah that that was my experience with the Judean desert wow thank you for sharing that's fantastic and it's amazing how we can you know sometimes feel like we are stepping outside of ourselves in a way because we are feeling this connectedness with the universe with uh nature right with sort of what otherwise felt like it was outside of ourselves but then like you said earlier we realize uh this interconnectedness and then when we really sort of are present and we take that time then you know we we really reflect internally and realize that it's all it's all in here you know like we're like we're here for ourselves and just 
providing that space, that love, that light mm-hmm. for ourselves, with ourselves, we realize that that's all we really need, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's also what you kind of came to was like, I'm here to support myself, my spirit guide that I thought might be external to me actually turns out it's my sort of inner inner calling inner voice yeah definitely totally yeah and it's something that I've really been trying to bring into kind of my everyday life rather than just those brief moments of meditation where everything is glowing and ah and you feel so connected and peaceful but yeah just going and bringing that feeling into everyday life. And I'm curious if you've had any sort of similar experiences, but I guess the one that I will mention is like, I was just having a cup of tea and this was kind of the first moment that I realized I was just sitting and calm and I had that same feeling I get when I meditate. I was like, whoa, this isn't intentional, but it's happening in real life. (laughs) And I think it's just, that was about a year of after I started practicing and I think it just comes with time, but I don't know, everyone's different. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a, one of those, like another like moments where I was like, yes, this has real benefits. <laughs> Amazing. And what you were doing in that moment was just like, what was it, I guess, how, how did you, you know, take that experience in the desert under the stars and, how how exactly are you applying it? It's just is that is that practicing presence in those moments, like when you were having a mm. cup of tea, or how does that kind of manifest, or how might you practice that? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm still trying to answer. <laughs> um, I guess like I don't know. I've been taught a few techniques, mindfulness techniques over the over the years of. Um, Uh, One of my favorites is kind of touching your fingers and just reminding yourself that it's okay to breathe and just be present. So you go up and down each finger back and forth uh, three or four times. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I think if you really want to go about it in a systematic way, you can choose an activity. So like a habit loop. So you think of what is the cue, like maybe you come home and you close the door and you're touching the doorknob, that's your cue. Um, Or I guess maybe one that I would choose is having a cup of tea because you're already in that like settled space. Um, But then once you choose that cue, you think of the habit, which is um, maybe like a mantra or just... uh, a few breathing exercises, and then your reward, which is that feeling of gratitude for yourself for giving yourself that time um, or whatever it is that you're really wanting to focus on. But um, for me, it's been a little more sporadic and I don't try to really plan my mindful moments. If they happen, I'm just very grateful and aware of them and I kind of make a note of how it happened but I don't know I just I just like the freedom of not putting pressure on myself to have mindful moments and maybe that's a good tactic maybe it's not it's just 
it's just <laughs> how I'm currently letting myself be. <laughs> right. I mean, it sounds like that's what's working for you in now, and that's what matters, right? Like for you and yeah. for your practice here and now. And I think that's also important to recognize is that there's no right way to practice mindfulness or meditation or you know most things probably really it's like we all just find whatever works best for us where we are at this point in time and that you know may change um from individual to individual and also you know over the course of our lives so um, i'm so Mm -hmm. happy that you found um these practices that work for you and i you know i'm sort of similar i uh, in some in some aspects of my life, I sort of I mean I think systematic systematically or systemically I guess I, I think in terms of systems coming from a background studying cognitive systems, it's um, I guess just the way that I kind of view the world sometimes is like in terms of systems. Um, but at the end of the day, I also act a lot. Uh, you know, I act quite sporadically also (laughs) so um so it's like I feel also like you that sometimes Mm. I just kind of have to feel it when it's right and it's a beautiful way for me personally also to connect with feeling versus thinking because I'm just so in my head a lot um Mm -hmm. and and so like you said something as simple as just touching your fingers like I use that tactic as well or Sometimes I say like putting my um, my hands on my lap or my hand over my chest or my heart. It's, um, I'm, you know, doing this, uh, this even just small practice of touch and I'm kind of here for myself and I'm here in the present moment and I'm connecting with my body and I'm feeling and I'm breathing. And like you said, I'm just allowing myself to be, mm-hmm. really, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then that opens up a space for like awareness of like, oh, yeah, I am here now, you know, curiosity about my experiences and, you know, kind of approaching that with kindness rather than judgment. It's just about mm-hmm. that. Right. Like that's what mindfulness is all about is this awareness of the present moment without judgment. And so it's interesting that kind of at different times with different people, we kind of access that in different ways. But at the end of the day, that's, you know, more or less the common experience, right? Is that awareness, that non-judgment, that opening up to self-love. Totally. Wow. (laughs) Beautiful. Um, I really like what you said about being aware of your body without judgment, um, because I think the whole connection to your body part of mindfulness is really important. And it is kind of a broad definition when you think about it. So um, I I like to think of running and rock climbing and yoga as their own types of meditation, uh, which I do. So they're they're different obviously but i think as long as you're really in tune with what your body is doing and not really thinking about anything else you are just being that movement then that is also really beneficial and meditative for me absolutely yeah for me too sometimes exactly those access points are different just depending on kind of what we're doing and it's like you don't uh, you don't maybe expect that 
um, being on the on the subway in my experience and just you know and just like taking that moment to kind of notice how my hand is um, touching you know whatever I'm holding on to or and then sort of entering uh, that mindful experience in that way or swimming or running and then here it's like you're just sort of not doing anything but that so you kind of have to be there be present be have that connection to your body just by way of that activity um it's really interesting what you said i mean it's it's just different expressions and different kind of access points to those kinds of experiences mhm yeah did I, you say you have mindful moments on the bus when you touch like the uh <laughs> seat or something in the pole yes yes so oh my uh, gosh so basically uh you know again I I, like you uh sometimes this is really quite sporadic so um so for me it's interesting because yes I um it helps me having a physical connection or just you know like this connection with my body and I it also really sometimes I even use that as an access point to then get into um an awareness of my emotions and my emotional state at that moment. So the other day mm-hmm. I was on the, on the train on the subway in New York and I was, I was on my way to work and I was just holding on to, you know, the, um, the bar, uh, basically that one holds on to on the subway. Um, if you're, are not, you know, don't get a seat that day, which I didn't. Um, but that's okay because basically I was, I was standing, I was holding this thing and I was actually listening also to the power of now by Eckhart Tolle, which I am a big fan of. Um, love it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. So that's another really great access point for me personally is, um, you know, listening to an audiobook, uh, especially something like the power of now, um, or I also really love Principles by Ray Dalio, which is interesting because it kind of approaches all of this from a different angle, different context. Um, but yeah, like listening to audiobooks or reading books or um, journaling are huge access points for me. Um, but so for this for this moment, I was I was listening and I was listening to the chapter on enlightened relationships. And as I'm listening, I'm kind of um, I'm I'm recognizing that kind of what he's saying makes sense to me that I, you know, in terms of allowing my emotions to, you know, allow myself to hold this space for my experiences, including my emotions, um, while also being that knowledge of how I feel in this moment, being that awareness, and that in of itself, um, creating a kind of space around it so that I'm not engulfed by what I'm feeling mentally emotionally but I am I am the awareness of what I'm feeling and um, it just really really was so helpful and then in that moment I was standing there and just sort of uh, feeling that sense of presence also just recognizing kind of where I am physically uh, where I am kind of mentally emotionally Um, you know, I was, I was kind of just noticing what was coming up for me that morning as far as kind of different feelings were going. And I, I felt like I kind of had started the day off on the wrong foot. So, um, you know, I was trying to be more kind of present in that moment anyway. Um, but really listening to that and paying attention to his voice, paying attention to the words and paying attention to my experience there and holding on, 
um, was all kind of coming together for me. And what happened was I was able to recognize how I was feeling and acknowledge that, you know, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling, you know, however I'm feeling basically and sort of name, name those. That's another thing Mm -hmm. that I find super helpful. I know this is kind of a tangent here, but um, I, I think it's incredibly helpful to be able to have the vocabulary to describe how it is that we're feeling um, and, you know, physically and emotionally, uh, because then we can we can bring that awareness to it, um, maybe even in a way that's more nuanced, because if I know that I'm feeling um let's see, if I know that I'm feeling betrayed versus just feeling angry or, you know, something like that, if I know that I'm feeling lonely rather than just sadness, then I can kind of dig in and have that more nuanced awareness of my feeling um, so that I can feel it, recognize it, hold that space for it, know that that's okay, and, um, and then let it sort of flow through me and run its course in a way. So again, sort of a little bit of a tangent from, um, you know, talking about kind of accessing mindfulness through our physical experiences. But here I was, you know, the other day able to do that in a way that was um, really entering an emotional space for me too. Um, And it's that same concept of like, it's okay the way that I'm feeling and um, kind of meeting myself where I was at that moment um, and just approaching that with compassion uh, rather than a a judgment for how I'm feeling. So I imagine that also, you know, coming out of your concussion and like not recognizing yourself in a way as being yourself, that you had to practice a fair amount of compassion toward yourself too for like um, in terms of what you were feeling physically, but also mentally and emotionally um, kind of reconciling all of that and just, and accepting it. Right. Or did you, Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of, we all, we all go through that sometimes where we're like, Oh, like I don't feel like myself in this moment, but if we can just come back to that, come back to that presence, come back to that, awareness and that non-judgment then we could kind of come back to a version of ourselves that's not tied to anything else going on it's just us it's almost like we can be like whoo and like you know exhale a sigh of relief because we're here for ourselves um no matter what else is kind of going on for us at that moment totally yeah I think especially with um society's uh, put so much pressure on being productive and succeeding with whatever venture you're on and doing as many things as possible as a sign of success was it's overwhelming and it's just so nice to be able to let all of that go like yes it's still okay to have goals and work towards them but if you can like mentally separate your internal self and like the qualities that you have or possess as a person maybe like personality traits or um just the fact that you're able to see people's emotions and process them and give joy back to them is like such a beautiful thing um 
that you yeah you can just really be more in your body and appreciative of your life rather than always being kind of on autopilot what I like to say and just going through life responding to your environment Mm. um so I really see a lot of hope and I think the world in general is going through um a, a next revolution um so there was agricultural industrial and i think the next one is going to be a revolution in consciousness and i'm quoting that f- probably from sam harris or some podcast i i listen to but i really believe it and yeah i think the more we can really get into that space that you're talking about of awareness um the more aware people are going to be of their actions and how they're impacting others um if we can create that space between stimuli and response <laughs> sorry my neuroscience terms yes, yes. Um, <laughs> I think about it that way too <laughs> <laughs> then yeah then we can create a more loving space for holding ourselves but also those around us and here we go so this is <laughs> this gets me real deep but um on my birthright trip I was meeting these Israeli soldiers and with all the conflict going on in the Middle East and how complicated it's it all is it just really hit me in my gut when I actually got to see these people who are young they're like 18 or even younger they're holding guns because partly for okay for many reasons but um mostly due to like their upbringing and their environment and what they believe to be true and um I totally get it it's like defending your people defending your home and that sense of belonging um but at the same time I'm just very much confused by why this has to happen like there has to be a better way than putting these people through all of this violence and pain like they're telling me stories about their friends having their fingers blown off like right next to them and like having to go to the emergency room and losing their loved ones so I mean (laughs) I just got really emotional after we went through the whole um holocaust memorial at Yad Vashem and I just I couldn't figure out like why the world has to be this way so I started googling um how to create world peace (laughs) Mm, yes (laughs) and yeah of course (laughs) thank you google naturally um and the article I came across from psychology today was about creating inner peace and creating islands or like circles of peace in your friends, communities, neighborhoods, and having that ripple out into the world. I was like, okay, this seems actionable, like doable. I'm not going to like march into the UN tomorrow and be like, excuse me, fix this. (laughs) Um, Because I know it's very complex and um, yeah, not that simple, but I felt like that's something we can all take away, I guess, and kind of feel more of a sense of hope in our daily lives. If we know that we're connecting the purpose of creating more mindfulness to a greater sense of world peace uh, in whatever way that might be, then I think that's also really inspiring. I couldn't agree more. Um, and have you, so have you read uh, A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle? Because yes, 
Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's really, I think, uh, the premise of that book. Um, and there are other, uh, you know, wonderful reads by other sort of um, thoughtful, spiritual, mindful leaders, um, you know, and basically all kind of converging and saying that, that same thing. Right. Like Sam Harris is coming from um, his background with neuroscience and saying also the same thing. And it's it's kind of like, OK, guys, this is <laughs> it's like a, a pattern <laughs> that we're seeing here. Right. It's it's like um, that idea of kind of um, think globally, act locally. So it's like we're thinking as far as kind of, OK, how can we achieve world peace? Um, but we need to each start with ourselves and then reach our spheres of influence to be able to kind of share that with others as well. Um, because we don't know what we don't know. And I, I think mm-hmm. one thing, you know, about all of this is just this practice of awareness of mindfulness. It's so, it can be so simple. Like we, you know, we've talked about even just paying attention to our fingers, you know, like something that really <laughs> is just so simple, but, but, you know, until people uh, have access to the resources, um, you know, that basically allow them to have that knowledge that that's even possible uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, or they just experience it for themselves. And they're like, oh, wow, like this is this is kind of neat that I can do this. Like for me, I, it was more of like um, an intellectual thing that kind of turned into a practice and re- recognizing that I had already done that in my life at different times. But now I had <laughs> um, now I had, you know, yeah, I had more like a better understanding of what that was and different tools that I could use and techniques um, so that's kind of what it's all about is just coming to that practice of inner peace within ourselves and then sharing that with others. And eventually it's hopefully inevitable that we'll, you know, all or mostly be on that, um, sort of in that, in that space, in that mindset, um, just being more aware and being more compassionate for ourselves and for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, 100% agree. <laughs> yes, I love it. And so I know um, we don't have that much time left, but I, I would love to also know about your retreat. Oh, yeah, we forgot about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad that we've talked about everything else because it's, I mean, again, it's like one thing does not exist without the other. So thank you for sharing the background of your experiences. And it's been amazing so far. So, <laughs> so yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, um, the yeah, <laughs> the reason I went on this um, 10-day silent Vipassana meditation retreat is partly because I had some free time. I'm currently like working part-time for a holistic women's wellness startup, which is all about personalized um, AI for improving your wellness journey, which is beautiful and I love it. It's a great app. <laughs> um, it's uh, just launched on the App Store if you want to download it. But um, yes, what's actually, side note, you, if you could share that, or maybe toward the end. I mean, yeah, actually, if you just share yeah. it right now, I'll include the link in the show notes as well to all of this. Sure, it's called Floka, so F L O K A. Um, yeah, it's got some onboarding steps, so you go through and add your goals. Like um, we have six pillars. So if you want to set a goal for any of those, that would be for your cycle, 
um, if you have irregular cycles or any sort of hormonal imbalances, we're really focused on helping women overcome those barriers and challenges that they're facing. And we have sleep, um, exercise, mind. So that includes like mood scores and meditation scores. Um, And we actually have a meditation timer. It's not as advanced as any of your other probably more popular meditation apps, but it's it's functional. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, nutrition. So yeah, we try to correlate all of those and give helpful insights as to what's working for you. But amazing. side note. Yeah, <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah, very, very cool. And that's awesome to apply data science uh, and be doing oh, yeah. data science in the world of um, women's holistic health. Definitely. It's honestly like the collision of all of my favorite things. So it's, it's pretty inspiring every day. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Amazing. Um, (laughs) So, so basically working there, you have had some free time. Yeah. So um, I decided why not? It's something I've kind of been thinking about for a while and I applied one evening when I was feeling like particularly, uh, I guess, not confused, but just like overwhelmed by all of the things going on in my life. And I just wanted some clarity. And I was like, okay, you know what, let's apply and see if I get accepted. And three hours later, I got the email of being like, congratulations. And I was like, okay, this is quick. This is must be a sign. Right. (laughs) I should do this. Um, And the great thing about the whole retreat is that a it's free and b it's um, they provide like housing and uh, food, which is all vegan and home cooked and mostly organic, which is amazing. Oh my goodness! Do you, yeah. Is, is it is it a best? Is it a secret or do you? Do, uh, would you like to share? I mean, it's totally up to you. It's not a secret, honestly. It's very much open to anyone who really wants to experience this uh, specific type of training. So, um. It's not just like a general meditation retreat. Uh, so if there's hundreds of these retreat center, Vipassana retreat centers all over the world. And it's kind of a video lecture series. So you go there, you're not allowed to talk. Um, you're kind of shuffling around, like really nervous at first, but then you kind of like get used to it. And um, the teacher is Goenka. Um famous, uh, I guess, teacher of this specific type of meditation called Vipassana. And he runs, he's like, I guess, runs these courses through video. Um, He's recently passed away. So um, his spirit lives on anyways. It's, it's originally a teaching from Buddhist practices. And um there's a lot of history behind it, so I, I'm not going to dive too deep into that. But if you're interested, I would recommend looking up their website. Um, but there's one in Merit that I went to. So the Vipassana Retreat in Merit. And there's also a new one opening up on, or sorry, Merit is in British Columbia in Canada, if anyone's not familiar. Um, and there's also a new one opening up in Duncan, I think, on the island. Um, but yeah. So, <laughs> um, you're, you kind of check in and you're 
really nervous. Like I was not fully confident in my intention and in going in the first place because yes, I wanted to experience this sort of deep isolation and time with myself. But at the same time, I was like, 10 days is quite a long time to just forget about the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty nervous and I tried to go in with an open mind of this is an exciting opportunity. It's probably going to change me. I am going to just see what happens. And there was a little bit of resistance because it does kind of feel like a jail at sometimes. Um, it's a super loving, supportive environment. And they put these rules in place to help you experience the true teachings and what you're trying to do, which is um I actually asked the teacher this on day three because I was kind of (laughs) feeling lost and confused about why I was there. And the teacher's answer was to sharpen and control your mind. And I was like, okay, okay, I can, I can focus on that. That's like an outlined clear goal. Cause before that I was kind of just like, all right, I'm just listening to the gong. They ring a gong every hour or so to signal the next uh, meditation session or meal. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they wake you up at 4 a.m. with a gong. And you're supposed to go to the meditation hall. And there's 30 females, 30 males. And you sit together in this big hall. And there's some aspect of guided meditation in the beginning of each sit. And each sit's usually about an hour, hour and a half, uh, if you're feeling extra motivated. <laughs> and then the, the rest of it is mostly just focusing on feeling your body. So Vipassana is a very specific form of meditation that focuses on feeling sensations in your body and not responding to them. It's kind of letting them go. Uh, and so we spent the first three days. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a secret, but uh, I'm letting it out now. Uh, So the first three days are focused on feeling the sensation of your breath on your upper lip and nostrils. And sounds a little ridiculous, right? Like three three days. days. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the third day, I, sorry. Oh, I I, I just said, wow. Yeah. 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 Right. And so that's kind of how I was feeling. I was like kind of looking at this whole experience in the third person objective being like, this is kind of crazy, but I'm going to do it anyways. And so actually on the third day, I realized why we needed to take three days because I actually started feeling more of an actual sensation on my nostrils. Um, And then the next four days were more about full body sensation. And then on the I think it's eighth day, you do a full body dissolution meditation. And I was totally blown away by that. Like, I really could not distinguish my body with space. And I was a floating head. And then I was a floating brain. And I was like, okay, I got to dissolve my brain. And so I just, it just like dissolved into this space that I had. I don't even know if it was in my brain or if it was outside of me, but I just like was floating (laughs) really, really weird. But, but yeah, I will definitely remember that for a while. 
Amazing. And so then by the 10th day, you, how did you feel? I have so many more questions. I know that um, you have to run in a few, but um, yeah, I guess. Uh, okay. We can do part two. <laughs> yeah. Let's, we should, let's do a part two. Definitely. Because I would love to ask you kind of, maybe even now you can just touch on kind of like how you felt and what, uh, you know, a major takeaway or the major takeaways were. Um, and then just share where people can find you pretty much. And we can sign off for now. Sure. Yeah. No worries. I, I mean, mean but, it, but if it's, if it's rushed, then that's okay too. And we can just sort of say, okay, we'll pause here for now. That's all good. I guess um, the major takeaways were that we all are walking around looking for love and I think on a very deep level that's kind of all we really care about and I went for one of the days I just decided to just repeatedly tell myself that I love myself and that was really powerful because honestly there wasn't much else to do besides walk around the garden and eat delicious food but other than that it was like six hours to nine hours if you if you were extra motivated, I tended to take more breaks um, and just walk and do some sort of like walking meditation. But yeah, so <laughs> a lot of time to just reflect. And I think a lot of people found benefits from, uh, you know, dealing with past traumas and letting those go. I feel like maybe I didn't need to that full 10 days to really release all of my my trauma and I know that can be a triggering word and it's different for everyone but I think we all do have some level of trauma that's through either like childhood or adult experiences it's kind of just there for through living um it doesn't necessarily mean that it's affecting you mentally every single day but it's it's still there and um one one person actually this is my favorite story to tell is had chronic back pain and she dissolved like 80% of it just through focusing in and needling in on those pain points and letting them dissolve wow. so just yeah in that retreat yeah, over those 10 days. Um, and it depends on the type of back pain. So some back pain is psychosomatic. And I think that's what hers was. Mm. So yeah, it's really powerful and a beautiful gift to give yourself. And one more takeaway was that uh, someone who has done ayahuasca before told me after the retreat that it was just as powerful, if not more powerful than what she had experienced on ayahuasca wow yeah that's that's a whole other world in of itself as introducing <laughs> sort of psychedelics yeah. and other substances and uh wow and it just goes to show that um we can be that you know we can access more than we even realize sometimes you know with and without those substances but even without that's amazing yeah totally um, I would love to continue this, but I am about to get another yes. call. So. Thank you so much, Heather, for, for sharing your experiences. Um, I, yeah, let's do, let's do a part two, um, if you're up for that and sort of delve deeper 
into, you know, specifically that retreat. And maybe we can do that kind of as a follow-up too, you know, for some more takeaways. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, where, I mean, do you have um, like an online presence? And if so, um, where can people find you or find what you're up to? Or is there anything else that you kind of want to share here? And I'll, I'll post everything as well in the show notes. Um, sure. Yeah. I would say the best place to reach me is Instagram. Um, you can follow me at Heather Van T and I post like additional quotes and a lot of stuff about sustainability and mindfulness and rock climbing. So yeah, check that out. If you want to get in touch, I'm open to chatting with anyone who has questions. Um, yeah, I'd love to connect. Thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. And um, thank you, everybody, for listening as well. Uh, Have a beautiful rest of your day. And until next time, stay grounded. Mm -hmm.